Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. I'm here today with my co-host, Marty, and we're going to be talking today. uh, We're actually very lucky to have him for this interview. His name is Justin Bethany. He is the author of a book called The Mental Wellness Diet. Before we get into it, let me give you a little information on Justin. He currently has a private practice as a psychiatric nurse practitioner in Bend, Oregon. Okay, Justin has been practicing as a psych NP for a little over 10 years now, seeing both children and adults for psychiatric medication management and therapy in the outpatient setting. Justin's practices primarily focuses on those who are functional, working, attending school, so on and so forth, but suffering with emotional stress, whether it be anxiety, mood disorders, or maybe even ADHD. Justin graduated from the Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professionals in 2011. In 2020, self-published a book entitled The Mental Wellness Diet, Ancient Wisdom, Evolving Science, and Modern Day Options. The Mental Wellness Diet book is based on the idea that if we feed our brain the nutrients it craves, we will be better able to feel and function at our best. So at this time, without any further ado, let's introduce you to Justin Bethany. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, great. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm so excited to have you on board. I know Marty is as well. Before we get into it, I don't know, you want to take a few minutes and, and fill us in on your journey and, and how you got to this point, especially what motivated you to write this book? Sure. Yeah. I mean, out of college, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then uh, my mom is, was a psychiatric RN and she said, hey, you know, you should become a nurse. So initially I resisted that for a little while. But she told me about how great of a career it is. And it really is. As a psychiatric nurse practitioner, you get to help people. You get to hear people's stories. You get to support people. You get to strategize and try to help people connect some dots. And it's flexible and a great career. And so I've been in love with it ever since I started over 10 years ago. So that's kind of how I got started. And then um, along the way in school, I discovered uh, Mark's Daily Apple and... uh, some other primal podcasts and the ancestral diet and Chris Cresser and just really interested in all that stuff. And so at the same time, I was learning the conventional side of medicine, which is diagnose and treat according to the, the cookbook. At the same time, I was learning all about how we evolved, the, the kind of foods that our bodies need, the kind of stimulation like sunlight and sleep and how some of that stuff is, is really important. And the great thing about nursing is instead of the medical model, which is diagnose and treat, it's, it's more about teach a man to fish. You know, it's like how people are coping, how people, you know, what's their meaning and purpose? How are they going to connect the dots for themselves? How are they going to figure out what they want and then um, put in all that energy to, to cope and get better and, and do the journey of life? So married those two together and that that was kind of the foundation of the book that's great that's great uh like i said i've been reading the book i'm just about done with it and and i have to say right off the bat i love some of the analogies you use like the 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 coal miners carrying the canary down into the coal mine and kind of being a you know a tool to a reader to kind of give them uh some insight and how that relates to how people need to listen to their bodies more you want to touch on a little bit about that Sure. To listen to our bodies and listen to our feelings and emotions. And, you know, sometimes emotions can actually be 
bodily sensation, butterflies or, you know, heart racing or sweating or all that stuff we really need to listen to. So the analogy of the canary in the coal mine is uh, back in the old days, they would carry a canary in a cage down to the coal mine. And then when the lethal carbon monoxide was on earth, you know, the, the workers are so busy and they couldn't sense it. They would just kind of keep digging away. So that was the analogy for our modern day life. You know, we just get up and we slog through our day, and maybe skip breakfast and just kind of work through lunch and we don't socialize and we're just trying to get through the day, just dig, dig, dig. So when a symptom pops up, it's often perceived as an inconvenience or a tragedy or problem. But for the coal miners, if they looked over and they saw the canary keeled over, that was their sign. They, I got to do something. I got to save myself. I got to get out. And so nowadays in our modern life, so a lot of our symptoms in our bodies, in our, in our hearts, in our emotions are these canaries in the coal mine. Try, it's good information. It's trying to alert us that something's off and we got to either dig deeper, pay attention, or sometimes just get out. Right, right. The moral of the story, right, is just be cognizant. If, if you are, your body will tell you what it, what it needs. And I think people are so focused on their daily grind. They, they, they're not listening to those inner signs of what might be going wrong negatively, right? Well, yeah, who wants to pay attention to that? Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, especially with all these external inputs, you know, our screens, our social media, the news, blah, 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 blah. Instead of focusing on, you know, on, on what's going on, you know, internally, you can't address it if you, you don't acknowledge it, right? So that's yeah, scary business. Scary business. Marty, I think you had a question. I'm sorry. I'm very, very curious about, I mean, I've noticed myself, my mood can sometimes be very dependent upon, you know, what I have eaten, when was the last time I ate, all kinds of things like that, you know, I, and you get, I, I, I know that I struggle with, uh, hanger, I guess, you know, if I get, if I'm a little hungry, if I haven't eaten well, if I haven't, if I've had, uh, you know, more of, you know, I, I, I'm guilty oftentimes of overusing power bars, like some kind of a high protein bar, right? Which, you know, there are worse snacks in the world, but it's a lot better if, if I, you know, if I have some greens, if I, you know, if I'm, if I'm having a little bit more diversified diet, I notice that myself. What are some of the real habits that you think are important for people to maintain on a regular basis that can sort of, uh, try to avoid those dips, whether it be, you know, getting angry, whether it be getting depressed, whether it be brain, you know, different things like that. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm assuming what partly what's happening for you is a blood sugar imbalances, blood sugar, roller coaster, ups and downs. The brain has the ability to sense the amount of glucose in the blood. And like many parts and chemicals and levels in our body, in the middle is best. It's kind of like a Goldilocks principle. So when blood sugar is too high, we have a compensatory mechanism. And insulin is pretty much it to kind of drive that blood sugar back down. If our blood sugar is too low, we have the instinct of hunger in which would force us to eat. If we're, let's say, asleep or busy or ignoring that hunger signal, or maybe got into the habit of ignoring it so much, we become desensitized to hearing that we're blood sugars low and we need to refuel. We have another compensatory mechanism, which is our, our stress hormones. There's, there's a hormone glucagon, but there's also epinephrine and uh, norepinephrine and cortisol. 
And these stress hormones are the keys that unlock stored blood sugar, which is glycogen, or they could also break down amino acids and protein and break it down into glucose. Again, and that all that breaking down the glycogen or breaking down amino acids will bring that blood sugar level back up. And then your body's satisfied. The price we have to pay is all the extra stress hormones, though. So what you're feeling is maybe the result of that. Your blood sugar maybe gets gets low. Your body is going to send some hormones to unlock, uh, you know, basically to unlock food, to unlock, to, to create glucose that you need. Now, part of those keys are, and I'm familiar with this, is cortisol, right? So cortisol is, is when I when I hear cortisol, I think stress. You know, I get blood work done every once in a while. I know that I have constantly high cortisol. And, you know, I I am a I guess one of those people that uh you might call hypervigilant, right? So I I I tend to be aware of 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 uh of thing how things can go wrong all the time, which creates stress, can be good, but it also can be exhausting. <laughs> So what I hear you saying is in order to unlock the glucose, your body sends or, or creates, creates or, or sends cortisol? Uh, norepinephrine circulates within the brain. Epinephrine and cortisol released from the adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys. And that, that's under neurological control and uh, hormonal communication. And then so you get released. What, what you're doing is responding. You know, so if, if you have high cortisol, you know, that kind of depends. If you have a good release of cortisol in the morning, that could be appropriate. You know, cortisol is going to help us respond. It's going to help us sustain energy throughout the day. What I hear you saying is that one of the keys to maybe maintaining your, your level of cortisol, not letting it get higher than it needs to be or what normally is, is to have, hey, let me, let me make sure that I'm having regular meals, that I'm, that I'm listening to my body. That when my body says I'm hungry, that you're going to give it some some good fuel. You know, let's layer on top uh, the the concept of time. You know, time is really important here. Time is part of the scenario for you, where that's probably the reason why you're eating power bars or or protein bars. You know, they're not they're not the worst thing, like you said, but you probably save time by eating that bar instead of making the salad that you know how to make. You know, so, you, you know, you, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul throughout the body here. So if you save time there, you, you know, the power bar could fuel you, but, you know, sometimes you notice that it's not the best for you. Something goes a little haywire. Time is important also when we're talking about the secretion of cortisol. That's a rhythm throughout the day. It's you, you secrete most of it in the morning, maybe a little bit of another bump in the afternoon and that there's a rhythm throughout the day and then as it declines melatonin can increase your body can stop being responding and stop being sustained and stop releasing and mobilizing energy and you can go to sleep so some points of the day you want to have high cortisol some points of the day you want to have low cortisol throughout that time of the day if you have a, a blood sugar spike and then an insulin followed by an insulin response that can be blood sugar too high and then crash low. When it crashes low, that can affect the brain in a negative way. It can also maybe trigger more stress hormones to kind of bring it back up. You know, it's too much overshooting is the problem. 
So it's it's kind of hard to answer the questions because it's you know it's a rhythm. It's it's throughout the day, and so I think the take home for the listeners would be to to pay attention, just like you're doing, Marty. You're saying like I noticed right after this happened, I missed this meal or I had that meal. I feel this way. It's about kind of managing the rhythm, which is it's, it's pretty instinctual. I mean, there's a lot of science we're talking about today, but there's a lot of instinctual just knowing what's good for you, trial and error too. So that's kind of how I'd answer the question. You know, I, I know sometimes I can feel or or I will, I if someone says something like, oh, you know, like uh, if I'm at a restaurant, someone will mention like Brussels sprouts or someone will mention like green beans. And, I, and all of a sudden my, I, I'm thinking, oh, that sounds amazing. Usually I'm thinking afterwards, I'm like, wow, I haven't had some greens in, uh, wow, it, it, it's been a little bit, <laughs> you know, here. Like my body, like as soon as it, wow, that's, that's exactly it. And you can, you know, when you put, when you start eating it, you feel like you're doing something good for yourself. You know, it, greens are always good, but there are some times where you're like, I need them. I get what you're saying when you, when you say, Hey, your body has a pretty good, uh, self-regulating mechanism if you listen to it. Yeah. And then the second step would be to anticipate. You know, uh, low blood, you know, we have busy mornings at home. Sometimes uh, a protein shake will, will will save my marriage that day, you know, <laughs> I'm not getting cranky or irritable or hangry myself and then not knowing why, you know, I figured that one out a couple of years ago. And, uh, it, you know, I just obviously Justin needs to get the protein and uh, calories and blood sugar in place for the brain to function optimally at 830 in the morning, you know, and then. In our modern day life, you know, it's just, it's kind of like pulling us to just take all these shortcuts. And that, you know, that's a big part of the book, as you guys have probably noticed. So how do you train yourself to listen to your body? Like not everybody, I I think not everybody is going to be really good at that because most people haven't been taught that, that that's super important. Yeah. Well, yeah, in functional medicine, they talk about uh, downstream and upstream. Functional medicine is about uh, prevention. You know, in, in conventional medicine, which would be the, yeah, the opposite, I guess, uh, conventional medicine is amazing at, at acute illness. If you need a surgery or broken bone or something like that, there, there's no better way to go than conventional medicine. And in, in our, our American hospital systems are amazing. But if you have chronic conditions, things that are not going to, you know, kill you right away, but are lingering, uh, functional medicine is really good. You know, in conventional medicine, if your blood sugar is creeping up, the doctor won't say it this way, but they'll basically say, okay, you know, blah, 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 you know, come back to me when you have diabetes and then I can treat you. And a functional medicine doctor would say, okay, th- how are you eating? How are you sleeping? Are you getting movement and exercise? How's your stress level? Here's, you know, various supplements. And then here's a kind of a good way to eat and manage your diet. Let's prevent you from getting to the point of uh, type 2 diabetes. And so that's, what functional medicine doctors are all about pretty much so in functional medicine upstream and downstream uh if you have any kind of symptom that would be downstream and so functional medicine doctors would look kind of upstream so if anger or sadness or anxiety is a symptom for somebody that's kind of downstream and it could be different what's going on upstream for every individual but depression one of the main contributors 
upstream is is poor sleep. And we, you know, a lot of us struggle with that. Another upstream kind of cause or major contributor is sedentary lifestyles, not really exercising, not getting the blood flow to the brain, not getting the blood flow, which carries the oxygen and the nutrients to the brain, you know, not managing our lifestyles in certain ways. So up at the top in this upstream, it's sleep, diet, exercise, stress management, and they're not very sexy. You know, who wants to talk about that? You know, you know, give me the supplement, the creatine, this and that, you know? You can't make a, a lot of money off of that stuff. So well, what, what I hear you saying, when you say upstream, you're re- really talking about cause. And when you're saying downstream, we're really so- talking about a little bit more effect, right? So nice. yeah, pretty much. You, you notice these effects. Hey, I'm feeling blue. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling sad. That's the, the, the effect, right? So you want to, you want to be able to notice, Hey, these are, these are my feelings. And, you know, especially us guys, we, we weren't always taught to like notice what our feelings are or care about them very much, right? So, right. I mean, I know I wasn't, I was raised in a German household. So the feelings were not something that were ever discussed. So I love that. I love the, you know, Hey, notice the, notice the effect. And then, Hey, let's look for the, for the cause. And those things that those simple things that, that you mentioned, exercise, diet, sleep habits. That's what this show is about. Am, Am I right, Lonnie? I mean, on the simpler side and the more you know relatable side for our listeners, it's one of the reasons why we preach habits, daily habits, because when your body you know physically gets used to the you know more healthier things on a daily basis, you're more tuned in. So to answer your point, Marty, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, is when you're in more of a healthier habitual lifestyle, you're more perceptive to the negative signs and the the more you know stress coming in and ailments starting to hit you. But when you're out of it and you're not living a daily, positive, healthy habit lifestyle, you're a little lost and it's harder to perceive these negative ailments that are creeping in. Does that sound right? Totally. And I guess I'll try to tie it home for you guys. You know, um, it's bewildering. It's confusing when you have anger or sadness or anxiety. And then it's like, all right, that guy, Justin, said something about blood sugar, but I don't know if I have a blood sugar issue. You know, maybe it's my gut bacteria or, you know, maybe it's like... I have toxins and I need a liver detox. And, you know, it's kind of like, hold on, you know, if we can use you, Marty, for a second, you know, like a little irritability, mood off, maybe the anxiety, you know, maybe mood stuff, you know, these things kind of happen. You don't have to uh, focus on the sciencey part of blood sugar, but you can trust me and say that I'm not selling anything other than a book and hope that, you know, sleep, diet, exercise, stress management. Let's take sleep at first. If you're not sleeping, you know, that really alters uh, blood sugar regulation. It, it creates a state of insulin resistance. So you need more and more insulin and you're on more and more of that insulin, uh, blood sugar high, insulin high, blood sugar low, need to eat, feeling crappy. So you don't sleep. It's going to cause a blood sugar issue. Downstream from that is some of the anxiety and the anger. If you're not exercising, you know, exercise helps absorb blood sugar so you're not so reliant upon the insulin exercise also gets that oxygen flow to the brain and studies show that that helps the emotional centers of the brain be you know kind of more balanced stress management if obviously that one's more of a easy connecting of the dots if you're stressed out you're going to be more on edge more anxious and more angry and then diet it's also kind of commonsensical i mean if you eat 
quick burning carbs or, you know, not enough protein or maybe not enough fat or just all vegetables or no vegetables, if it's imbalanced, that's going to not be like a good factory of stocking your, your factory with fuel to kind of keep it sustained and running in a balanced, smooth way. So if you run into these problems, everybody can just go back to sleep diet exercise and just start there. And, and I guarantee you're going to feel somewhat better. And you don't need to know all the science. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I love this because I, I think, you know, we focus a lot on the physical on this show. And, you know, I, I think people tend to you know, say, hey, I'm going to exercise because I want to look good. I'm going to exercise because I want to be able to, to uh, physically perform well, or I'm going to change my diet because of this or that physical reason. But what I hear you saying is, hey, like these things make huge, you know, difference in your, you know, mental outlook, in your mental well-being, in the way you feel every day. And on the other side, if you learn to listen to how you feel and what your what what your body is trying to tell you, you can probably use that to make some great changes in what you eat, how you exercise, all that kind of stuff that are going to lead to positive changes in your life. Yeah, upward spiral. Hey, Justin, can we touch a little bit on like uh, societal issues? You know, what do you think is happening out there the most right now that is affecting people's just mental well-being and creating the most stress on the average day, Joe? And how can they address it? Yeah, this kind of gets back to the the carbon monoxide that the canary kind of notices first, but we we wouldn't in modern day life. I didn't invent the term, but in the book, I used the term exceptionalism. And there's just uh, a subtle but persistent pressure on all of us, I feel, to be exceptional in some way. You know, good at this, wealthy, you know, fancy shoes, known for this, attractive, you know, the good mama bear. There's all these uh, identities that we, we, we take on and we put so much of our energy and attention and effort into uh, being exceptional in some ways. And I think it's true for most people. There's probably people out there this is not true for, but what's the cost of doing business there? You know, it kind of gets back to that time factor. You know, if so much of our attention and efforts and our thoughts even are dedicated to being, you know, some sort of exceptional, well, then we have to, we have to take from over here to give to over here. Well, you know, we're not going to be sitting down to make ourselves like a, a really healthy uh, magnesium bomb salad, which is in the back of the book. You know, we're not going to be doing that. We're going to be sending out extra emails or we're going to be plucking our eyebrows or getting an extra workout or, you know, scheduling Botox or whatever we're doing. So exceptionalism, I guess it's, it sounds pretty critical, but I've noticed it, it's a really subtle and persistent pressure in our society, which was your question. And um, I think it's kind of destructive to our minds, to our bodies, and to our social relationships a lot of times. It's funny. One of the things I preach is, is mindset. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it starts with mindset, you know? And I think when we get busy with life, especially, you know, you're trying to gain that success. When people define it as different things, you know, or exceptionalism, whatever it is, but they focus too much on, you know, um, their business, their, their, you know, materialistic things in their lives and their, 
you know, so what is important? You have to start with that mindset. And once you start addressing, okay, my mental health, my physical well-being, my relationships with family, once you deem those as the most important things that starts there, then you can start addressing, okay, putting a roadmap in place of what you could do to make these things better. But you have to start with that mindset, you know? I think the first step there is permission. You know, we have to give ourselves permission to be regular, non-exceptional. And that exceptional is an interesting word, right? So to be the exception means that like you are comparing, right? So you're not, you're not looking just to yourself. You're not comparing yourself to yesterday. You're comparing yourself to usually when we say exception, others like you, right? So if, if I'm, going to go after being exceptional, then in order to do that, I have to compare, right? I have to compare against other people, which to me is always like, I always think of that as a a, a danger sign. Like, yeah, we're all going to look and say, you know, we, we do that sometimes, but for me, it's very dangerous to do that on a regular basis or, or I, I guess too often. Like I would rather compare myself against maybe what I was yesterday or what I think I can be tomorrow versus to the guy down the street, my next door neighbor, the dude I went to high school with or whatever. Like to me, that's where people often get into trouble. Yeah. Well, take it one step further. You know, what if you're comparing yourself or competing against people who are also seeking to be exceptional? If everyone's exceptional, no one's exceptional. It's a dead end. Why don't we touch just a little bit on Diet, and we always say we hate that word diet because to Marty and I, diet means a temporary fix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, in, if somebody that's just joining this podcast and they're not tuned in with their bodies or they're, they're, they're just uh, addressing themselves on a, on a healthy, uh, everyday basis, um, but they feel stressed, they're not sleeping well without knowing what their diet is, you know, what they're eating currently. What are some things, some, some foods, some, some, habits, eating habits that you initially tell people they should start right away? Obviously, you know, the vegetables and beans and everything else, but if there's something you could just give somebody this a little bit of advice to start today, what would it be? Nutrient density is the principle. And uh, with nutrient density, it's for every bite of food you take in, how many nutrients, vitamins, minerals, uh, protein factors, all those things are jam-packed into that one bite of food. So uh, a Funyun or a Dorito is lower on the nutrient density. Um, organ meats are up there. Animal meats are up there. Uh, shellfish and fish are up there. Next would be fruits and vegetables. Fermented foods, due to the, the probiotic benefit, and the fiber is up there too. And, um, and then uh, for, for brain health, uh, connective tissue, which is the collagen peptides type of stuff. Uh, or, you know, tripe, different kinds of foods that is connective tissue in, in some manner or bone-in meat, that kind of stuff. So those would be the add. And then subtract would be, you know, the usual suspects, sugar. For some people, grains are not going to work for you. For some people, legumes, it, it can get individual. But pretty much sugar, uh, forgetting to eat, that should be subtracted. And, um, you know, probably overeating would be the the main ones to subtract. So starting there, I mean, uh, everybody kind of wants a diet book and I, or 
you know, a cookbook or, or a program to get started because it's so much to think about. But, you know, the organ meats are, tend to be kind of gross for some, most of us who haven't grown up eating it. You know, that, that they come in uh, desiccated little capsules, some good companies out there that, that sell those. You can start there. Uh, and then, you know, like Marty's instinct, a salad, one or two salads a day, that, that is just going to be pretty, a pretty good idea. You know, that, that just starting there, I think would be a great, great starting great. point. Great, great. You touched earlier on um, sleep hygiene, right? Getting better sleep. We all know that. Um, so if you could tell somebody what are simple do's and don'ts to try and make sure you get better night's sleep. Should I eat, not eat carbs after 7 p.m.? Should I not have, you know, fruit after whatever? Is there some simple go-tos that you would recommend? That one, it, the circadian rhythm is uh, a 24-hour plus like one minute clock in our brain. And it's really interesting. And the thing that sets that clock is light, pretty much. You know, our exposure to light on our face and on our eyes. So, number one, if you're having a hard time falling asleep, let's get up at the same time every morning. You know, start to. Obviously, if you don't go to sleep till 3 a.m., it would feel better that day to sleep in until 11. Uh, for the longer term, you got to break that habit to fall asleep at night. You got to wake up in the morning and get some sort of light exposure. Um, in August, out here in Oregon, I would walk outside and step on my front lawn. It's now December, and so that's not gonna, that's not an option anymore. But uh, I still pretty much, you know, try to manage the wake-up time to help with the bedtime. If you have difficulty fall is staying asleep, sometimes that could be stress. Uh, sometimes it could be anxiety or a sign of depression too. Uh, a lot of times it's that blood sugar roller coaster thing. Where if, if throughout the night, if the blood sugar dips and you have to release the stress hormones to compensate, to bring it back up, the price you pay is during the middle of the, your sleep, a release of stress hormones, which will wake you up. You know, you might have a racing mind. You might be fully alert. You might have the urge to get out of bed and run around, or you might, you know, just be kind of feeling tense. You know, if you have those signs, it would be better to look towards the, the blood sugar regulation and then, you know, cleaning up your diet and exercising more and managing your stress. Great, great. Mar, do you have any other questions for Justin? I'm just going to say like the, the thing, I guess the biggest thing that I'm taking, there's lots of things to take away from this, but the biggest thing that I'm hearing then and that I know that I'm going to take away is, hey, I need to, I need to get better at listening to my body. You know, I need to understand how important it is to to be good at listening to my body and to actually do it. You know, that that's something that I, I guess, yeah, I, I know, but I forget. And I don't always think maybe it's as important as it really is. And I think this, you know, this is a great reminder that we all need to be, do what we can to get better at listening to our bodies because our body is like such a wonderful and our brain, such wonderful machines. They have such great self-regulating mechanisms, which we, you know, nobody understands them all. So sometimes it's best just to listen to them. We don't have to understand them all. We just listen to them. If we're hungry, let's eat something. And we know what we should eat and what we shouldn't. So let's try to eat as well as we can. That kind of good stuff. I would add or tired or angry or sad or un uneasy. Any kind of physical sensation that all needs. You know, if you don't, pay attention to that stuff your your body will will reach up a hand 
and slap you in the face eventually. You know, it, it may actually be a disease or a panic attack or a depressive episode or, or you know, like full on insomnia. If you don't listen, your body will make you. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Justin, I think we're going to wrap it up. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, and for all those of you out there, I'm telling you right now, check out his book, Mental Wellness Diet. I'll tell you right now, it's an easy read. It's a lot of uh, relatable stuff that, you know, opens your eyes. It's like, oh my God, that, you know, I can try this. I could try that. And it, it's things that can just, again, get the ball rolling in your lives to start addressing, you know, stress or uh, emotional pain, whatever it might be. But uh, check out, I have a link down below on the page. You can access his book and his social media pages. And Justin, again, thanks again, buddy. And we're going to be talking again soon. I'd love to have you on sometime in the future, okay? Okay. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks for the time. All right, Justin. Thank you. All right, guys. Make sure if you haven't done yet to subscribe to the the channel, hit like, and give us a review on this episode. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you soon on the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.